This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. I'm back in time for the end of the week. Pretty predictable move from me. Don't you love it when people do that? Take a few days off, come back for the Friday. But hey, what a week. There've been a few stories kicking around, but only one real story that captivated pretty much the entire country. We're heading straight into World Cup finals weekend. Australia's ready to wrap up one of our biggest sporting events with a bang. Hack. From the coast to the outback, the Matildas had Australians glued to the screens everywhere. I will never forget that moment and that Sammy Kerr goal, but then the utter devastation. We just never picked a side of the bed, so I'm bringing it to TikTok to see if it is actually as crazy as everybody says it is. On Triple Jack. Yeah, we're going to be getting right into the World Cup on this episode of the Shake Up, but we're also talking weird sleep habits. This is a bit of a rogue one on the back of a viral TikTok you may have seen. We'll get into that story later. So if you do have some strange habits when it comes to sleep, please let us know. Hit up the text line. First, though, got to introduce the Shake Up team for this week, and I couldn't think of any better people to break down all of this sports news with than these two, back for another crack, coming to you from the big state, WA, Josh Scarlett from the Kick It Forward podcast. Josh, how's your week been? Yeah, great. I mean, Wednesday night was pretty flattening. With the time delay here, we are like, what the hell do we do with the rest of the night? Um, <laughs> WA. In WA. But no, it's been great getting around the Matildas. Uh, we were in the US last week. Um, it got back on Friday and we just arrived in pandemonium. It was unreal, uh, but obviously flattening on Wednesday. Bit of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny at the pub, there was standing room only at our local uh, and they would have been stoked that people are actually buying beers on a midweek day <laughs> in Perth because it shuts down sort of Friday, outside of Friday and Saturday. But, uh, yeah, it was bumper to bumper. And when she, when Sam Kerr kicked that goal, yeah. I tell you what, there were a lot of broken glasses. So, yeah, it was a good day. Okay, everyone's a winner. We love that. Also, next Shake Up guest, we've got someone special on the Shake Up, someone from enemy territory, I guess you could say, really. We have... The diversity and inclusion reporter at Sky Sports, also the founder of Brown Girl Sport, Miriam Walker-Khan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very happy to be here. Does it feel weird being on an Australian radio station talking about how good the Matildas are? Feels a bit naughty. I feel like a bit guilty that we've beaten you. I'm sorry, guys. But um... Are you going to change your tune a little bit? Are you going to be like, oh, the Matildas are so good. Go Tillies. Listen, I don't want to be that guy but I was low-key supporting for the Matildas because I feel like we kind of had our moment last year at the Euro. Oh interesting well we're gonna we're gonna be getting into that a bit later that's definitely an interesting take. Um, Can you explain a bit what is Brown Girl Sport? So Brown Girl Sport is a platform I set up in January this year which is basically just like a space and kind of online community to celebrate and tell the stories of South Asian women in sport. So that's like England, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, the seven like technical South Asian countries. Um, just because like we don't have a lot of representation and I'm kind of bored of it. I'm British Pakistani and I was just have been bored of seeing the lack of representation. So yeah, we're... Um, we're doing a podcast out here called 25% while the World Cup is on, which kind of explores the fact that 25% of the world is from South Asia, yeah. but there's never, ever been a South Asian team at a World Cup, men or women. It's so interesting. I've been listening to the podcast as well. You can go find it. If you Google Brown Girl Sport, you will definitely find it wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, we've got so much to talk about and we are getting right into the Women's World Cup, so let's go. Pack. The gallant effort from the Tillies, who became the first Australians to get to a World Cup semi-final. Hopefully this stays around because this has been amazing for us. On Triple Jack. The most watched TV event since 2001 when the current rating system was introduced. Almost half of Australia tuned in to watch the Matildas take on England on Wednesday. Just to put that into perspective, that's more than five times the number of people who watched the election <laughs> in Australia, which is crazy, right? We didn't win, but it's not all over. The Tillies take on Sweden on Saturday, the big final between England and Spain on Sunday. Whatever happens this weekend, though, it is clear history's been made and Australia will never forget this Women's World Cup moment. As the full-time whistle echoed through Stadium Australia, Australian hearts broke in two. We felt the love all over the country and just to see the support we've had has really pushed us on. They inspired a lot of girls, but they inspired a lot of boys as well. It's disappointing, but at the same time, we're so proud of the Matildas because they've come a very long way. We want the heart and the passion for this game in this country. This is not the end of something. This needs to be the start of something. A whole country is behind this game and behind women's sport in a different way. Of course, that means something. And it's going to mean something when we look back on this. And that's what I'm excited about. On Triple Jack. Yeah, I'm not going to ask if you were watching, because I know most of you definitely were. How are you feeling about the Tilly's performance? We've had a few days now to let it settle in. Maybe some of the initial disappointment has worn off. You're being a bit more reflective. How do you think it's changed the way football and women's sport are viewed in Australia? Have you noticed a change, even in the discussion with your mates? Also keen to hear, who are you going to be backing in the final? Spain or England? It's a tough choice. Call in 1300-0555-36. You can message in as well, 0439 We've got some sports experts with us from WA, Josh Garlett from the Kick It Forward podcast, Miriam Walker-Khan from Brown Girl Sport. Hey, Josh, I'm going to start with you. We can look back with a little bit of distance now, as I said, after a couple of days. How are you feeling about the Matildas' performance? Yeah, it was flattening to... For the result and that's purely as a fan watching on and I, m I must admit like I got caught up in it all like so many other people did as well and you, you shouldn't look down on people for doing that because they're getting wrapped up in the stories behind this entire World Cup. I don't think they underperformed. A lot of people have said they they have potentially. I think they gave their absolute all and a couple kicks go a different way. Um, a couple balls fall a different way for England and you know we potentially go to penalties or we potentially win 2-1 so I I, I, I think they left so much out there. They got to the first semi-final ever. They've inspired an entire nation. I, I don't think you can really have much animosity towards the Matildas. Just sort of maybe a slight bit of me is like, well, what would have happened if they got there to be there in the, the final on Sunday? How epic that would have been. It's, if it, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because like you were talking about, you know, some people saying, oh, maybe they didn't put in the best effort. And we're starting to see some of those opinion pieces dribble through now. Uh, commentary from an AFL commentator who says we didn't scrutinise them. <laughs> After the match, uh, they were, were a bit soft, that there would have been more scrutiny if it was a men's team. What did you make of that, Josh? Well, that was Kane Corns, I think. I, I like Kane Corns, but his whole shtick is, you know, if you're going to go hard on something, go over the top hard. And he's saying he's decided, I think, for that, that piece, you know, I'm going to get a lot of clicks if I say this people, this team that everyone loves in Australia right now is crap or wasn't good enough. I think a lot of that is based in, he probably believes that. I believe Kane always believes his takes. But in saying that, I I think that they did so much for the country and I, I would be interested to know what Miriam 
things coming from the England side of things that, you know, a couple of kicks a different way, um, potentially that maybe their strategy is slightly different. I, I feel like they really gave it their all in that final. Oh, what do you think, Miriam? We just had a text through I saw sneak into the text line saying, England were bored at cheating. That's what I think. <laughs> How do- oh, strong words coming. Miriam's like, why did I say yes to come on this show? I'm regretting it now. What do you reckon? Like, what did you think firstly of the Matildas performance? Be honest. Um, I mean... I am the world's biggest Sam Kerr fan. Maybe it's weird saying that in Australia, but I'm a huge Sam Kerr fan. And I think, you know, she didn't have a great game. I think that goal was incredible, but there were so many chances, right? So that was heartbreaking. Um, But I think, you know, they've done so, so well. Like England are definitely the better team up the two. And that kind of showed on the day, but I think they've done incredibly. And just to get as far as they've gone, when you look at France 2019, like they're such a, a unit and it feels like they were kind of peaking for this moment. So I think they've done incredibly well. I don't I don't know if they ever were going to beat England. But was there a moment though in the game, like when you saw that Sam Kerr equaliser, were you like, oh, actually, maybe they could do this? Do you know what? I was actually really drunk at the game and then... <laughs> I, and I like, Love the honesty. We love this, Miriam, yes? And I, I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to FaceTime my mum. She sat at work, right, in, like, an office. I FaceTime her. I was like, Mum, look, look, we're in the stadium. And then everyone started cheering and I was like, what happened? Oh, and my friend no. was like, Sam Kirkot. I was like, what? <laughs> and, like, just that I, I actually burst into tears because I was like, this atmosphere is incredible and because it was Kerr. And then I obviously watch it back a lot on social media, but, like, I don't miss the goal completely. Oh, that is so funny. And yeah. as one of the world's biggest Sam Kerr <laughs> fans, as you mentioned before. Hey, Josh, what do you think of the whole, like, debate in the week leading up to this game? It was like, will we have a public holiday if the Matildas win the Women's World Cup? All that. Like, were we just getting way ahead of ourselves, maybe losing sight of just how big it was to make the semis? I think you're allowed to get excited. Like, if you're not, if not now, when? Like... Mm. Uh, Albanese comes out and says, you know what, a public holiday trust you is his Bob Hawke moment. Peter Dutton <laughs> comes out and says, you know what, we're going to watch them and we're going to find out. And, you know, I'm like, mate, just just buy in. Just buy in for this one time. <laughs> you know, his PR team must be like, oh, my God, why are you doing this again? I think it's okay to get around the public holiday. Yes, people didn't d- were against it a little bit, but... If we were getting ahead of ourselves, when when else will you get ahead of it? Because I feel like the team actually uh, like loved the attention. Like they were being carried by it a little bit. I don't think there was any sort of pressure. There was obviously pressure, but I don't think like you could say it hindered them in that way. Interesting. We've got a lot of messages coming through on the text line. Let's get to a few of them. Someone says, going for Spain on the weekend because England played like grubs against us. That was from Callan. Oh, Miriam's like, I'm not too sure. (laughs) Alana Kennedy is the goat, someone says. We were dead in the water without her. That was from Mel. Someone else, this is the first time I've watched a game of football start to finish. I loved it. I think England will tear Spain apart and the Matildas will whack Sweden. Someone else. I had 10 of my mates to watch the game. We were all drinking, having a blast. It was unreal to say I've got three sisters and I never thought that I would have been able to muster up my mates to get around women in sport like that. Flat out history has been made. I'm so proud of the girls. Miriam, I want to talk about England and not just their performance in this match, but generally over the past couple of years, you've seen this huge groundswell of support in England for the Lionesses and just in women's sport. Are you seeing and noticing now in Australia with the Matildas what you've already had in England with with your team? A hundred percent, but I think like 
even more so. I think that's why I was kind of rooting for the Matildas to win because I was like, we've kind of had our moment. The Euros last year was incredible, but we've like had that moment and coming here and finding out you guys aren't like a huge football nation, mm. but seeing how you got behind the Tillies has been incredible. So I was kind of like, I hope that happens you guys make the final or win because then we get more of you guys coming over playing in the WSL and you're brilliant and you're so that the players that play for Australia are really entertaining and we love them as Brits so yeah I was I was sad to be honest I mean now all the attention obviously going towards your national team mm -hmm. for the weekend for the final I guess you know you said before England is the better team in the end and you know a few people have said this in terms of facilities resources that they have training opportunities you just can't really compare when we think about England though winning the World Cup what would it mean for England because it's it's not just a fait accompli like oh yeah they're going to win they're, they're the best team it would be a big moment right it would be a huge huge moment I think um, it's weird actually being here and not being part of like the hype back home and knowing what's going on. It's obviously incredible, but mm. I think we're, you know, we live and breathe football at home. It is, it is life. For so many people, it's not just sport, it's life. And I think for little girls and boys everywhere, it would just be huge and an incredible moment. Um, yeah, I kind of don't want to even imagine it. I feel like I'm going to jinx us, so I don't want to think about it. But I think everyone... like, that's all I've got to say on the matter. We'll recheck in on Monday. <laughs> no, nah, fair enough. Uh, Josh, what do you reckon in terms of um, the Socceroos, like the men's national team, do you think, because I was thinking about this today, is this going to really have a huge impact for them? Like at the next Socceroos match, are we just going to be seeing everyone in Matilda's scarves? I think it's introduced a bunch of people that previously probably weren't indoctrinated into the football culture of watching football games, like European football games. Like they know how to watch like NRL or AFL or whatever code they do. Like now they know what it is to go watch football. They know understand the offside rule for a lot of people. They understand other things going on. And I think for any major tournament from now, we he heard this week that they're going to make a push for, I think, 2032 for the, the actual men's FIFA World Cup. Mm -hmm. If anything, you've got uh, people with a starting point and they're – in and you know potentially as well you've got some other guys you've got players coming through if this is a you, this has to be the biggest boost in participation male or female um, that we've had in the sport in a long time got so many messages coming through on this one someone says the women's world cup has actually genuinely caused me to sign up as a member and support the women's a league that was from Simone Nick from Perth says the Tillies uh, Lionesses game was probably the most excited I had been for any game since the West Coast Collingwood grand final in 2018 and then Ben comes in and says it's all right we've got it we actually won the moral. World Cup. Australia <laughs> likes that. It's so funny. Miriam's rolling the eyes. She's like, oh, here we go. Are we, the, are we the better players, the more moral players? This is the Shake Up on Hackham. Dave Marchese talking everything Women's World Cup with Sports Nuts, Josh Garlop and Miriam Walker-Khan. Miriam, still so many issues in women's sport in terms of paying conditions, right? And prize money across the board. Like, when are we going to see real action here? Because uh, we can talk about the record numbers viewing and how uh, everyone's getting behind this and it's a cultural shift but the reality is that the women's prize money is still a quarter of the men's yeah i think fifa have plans at the moment to try and you know bring equal pay to every federation i don't see how that will happen in the next few years like they are planning to um because the disparity is so big at the moment but it's it's you know everything from brands sponsorship deals um just like 
ticket sales we need to we need to start selling women's football tickets for what they should be instead of like five pounds which we do at home and I think we have to kind of give the game more credit credibility everywhere so that we can yeah market it better really Josh Josh what do you think like this tournament do you reckon has finally disproven that argument that's rife in Australia and probably rife in England as well Miriam that women's sport just doesn't bring in the numbers no one's interested in watching it I think it definitely proves it uh, for anyone that had doubt. I think the starting point needs there needs to be a national centre of excellence for training camps to put these national teams together moving forward and help development in this country. The other thing is, like, uh, I believe Optus Sport reportedly bought the rights for, like, $8 million, which is nothing compared to what people pay, especially when you consider what the numbers were. If you were to, if you were to resell this tournament for what the numbers they actually end up getting in Australia. You know, it would be hundreds of millions of mm. dollars. So does that translate to the next World Cup when they're selling their rights, saying, hey, we had these these record numbers the last one. You you have to come to the table with some decent money. And does that somehow filter back to not only the Federation but also the players as well? I'd interesting to know, with Mir- Miriam, with the, the Super League back home, how has been the uptick of the last 10 years of attendance and also interest in the competition, especially with... The, the Euros win as well. Have you seen an increase in the interest? Because from here, it always seems like it's such a professional and such a great league, but I, I need to know what the English public have, have made of it. Yeah, I think since the France World Cup in 2019, it's kind of blown up. And then definitely since the Euros last year, even more so. Um, and now, like, women are playing in the, the men's stadiums. I don't even know if we should call it the men's stadiums anymore, but women are playing in the Emirates and Stamford Bridge. And that means more people can go and it's more of an event. I think it becomes really tricky then when you go back to places like where Chelsea play, which is Kings Meadows. So people are watching Sam Kerr play uh, and there's like 3,000 people in the crowd and that's like the whole capacity of the stadium. That's ridiculous and that needs to change. Um, but it's difficult. It's difficult for two teams to share a stadium like a Stamford Bridge, which isn't that big anyway. So I think they're things that really need to change and they're things that people haven't really thought of until now. So, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of panicking going off back home, to be honest. For sure. A lot of messages coming through on the text line. Someone says they have a challenge ahead to create revenue streams more than once every four years. That's somebody's opinion there. Another person says, I travelled to the last World Cup to France. I'm so proud of the team. I think the Lionesses were playing pretty average during the group stages, so it's a shame (laughs) for the Aussies that they started playing their normal level of football against us. And someone else says, oh, my God, we have an unbelievable amount of public holidays in this country. Another holiday for small (laughs) business owners would cost us. I knew that message was coming and fair enough. Lucky we don't have to dwell on that too much because there will be no public holiday at this stage. We can say that. I don't know. We're talking about behaviour of fans as well. That's got a lot of coverage, Josh, in terms of, you know, the fans at Federation Square in Melbourne going off, letting off flares. Um, (laughs) What do you think of this? Because obviously there's real danger issues, but I don't know. This seems to be how football is also celebrated around the world. I hate to say it, but like we see if you look at in Europe and Italy and all those places, it gets pretty wild, right? Well, I think every major tournament we've had at like Fed Square where they were letting off flares, they've always been really family friendly. And this time there was, there was probably genuine, you know, fear from some families because it was such a big crowd. And then the A-League had that issue this year where they sold the final and um, there ended up being a really terrible incident, Miriam, where players invaded the field and ended up injuring a goalkeeper, like la- lacerating his face. Oh um, you know, it's crazy footage if you check it out. But uh, there was some talk that that was somehow involved. But in the saying that, 
I also think that it was taken as an opportunity by some conservative, uh, you know, spokespeople from the media to just create a headline straight away. So I believe there is a reality that there was a proper fear and there was a danger. But at the same time, I also think 90% of the people there were probably really well behaved and just that they have been every other event we've had, you know, in the last two years. Is this a big problem, Miriam, in England? Oh, my God, it's huge. Football fans are... um how do I put this politely? <laughs> don't, don't actually, don't. They're absolutely insane and they, yeah, I don't know, they're, they're like the worst part of the sport back home. And I think the women's game at home has this really nice, like, not just a family feel, but like a community feel. And in men's football, that just doesn't exist. There's a lot of like chaos and there's a lot of like homophobia, racism in stadiums mm. and yeah, violence is everywhere. So, um it's sad that that is like travelling with the sport and it's not just in countries. So it doesn't really surprise me, but it is sad. Yeah, it must be interesting for you to see that kind of translating to other parts of the world, I guess. Yeah, but you guys are way calmer as fans. Like you're, right. like, you're like loud, but you're um, a lot nicer as like sports fans than we are back <laughs> home. Okay, so I guess we really did win the moral World Cup then, I guess we <laughs> yeah. can say. Um, so many messages on the text line. Someone says, guys, we've got the Olympics next year. Like the World Cup 2.0. I hate soccer, but I love the Tillies. Another person, I can't watch the A-League because the quality is so inferior, but this competition has given me a new appreciation for the battle. Loved the tournament. We'll continue to watch the Matildas. Might even switch to the A-League on as well. That was from Lucas in Sydney. Someone else, football in Australia isn't comparable to Europe. We have 3% of the enthusiasm for the sport that they have in Europe. England was always going to win and they deserve to as well. A lot of messages right there. Josh, I want to know, who are you going to be supporting in the final? Probably Spain. I don't know. We've got a lot of... Like, Perth attracts a lot of Brits that end up living here by the coast. and um, a It's lot kind of, of a tricky one. It's yeah. a tricky one, right, because it's like, oh, well, I won't be supporting England. But then you think about it and you're like, but if they were the ones to win the tournament overall, it would be nice that that was the only yeah, team we yeah, lost to. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So you're thinking maybe Spain. Obviously, Miriam is going for England. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how is Spain? You've been kind of seeing the Spanish team and stuff around the traps. How, how are they looking in terms of this final? Yeah, I was just at the Spanish camp this afternoon. Um, they're really confident, which is terrifying. I think um, there's a lot of stuff going off with their federation at the moment. So I feel like a lot of the support for Spain has dropped from fans because they don't want like the federation to kind of get away with what's going on there. Um, but I think, you know, they're a really strong team. They're kind of hungry for a win because they they played so badly at the Euros last summer. And we should be scared of them, which we are. (laughs) Well, look, it's going to be a huge weekend. Obviously, you two are going to be switched in. We're all going to be watching and we'll be unpacking it more. But we're going to move on to something a little bit different now. But what I really want to point out is that they talked to a relationship expert who said that this is a green flag. On Triple Jack. You know, sleep is such a mystery, right? What is going on for all those hours? that we're in bed. Maybe you panic about it. You've used one of those sleep apps to monitor what you're saying, what noises you're making. The thing is, most of us have strange sleeping habits. Maybe something that stayed with us from childhood or a little ritual you've developed over time. 
But one TikTok has horrified people the world over. A woman and her partner are switching which side of the bed they sleep on every night. We do not have a regular side of the bed that we sleep on. Last night I slept on that side and then the night before for like two or three nights in a row I slept on this side. And whenever this has come up in conversation, people act like that is the craziest thing they've ever heard. This is because we don't have a side of the bed. We just pick randomly each night where we want to sleep. So let's answer some of your questions. We are not serial killers or sociopaths. This is a green flag. This is your official invitation to sleep on the opposite side of the bed tonight. I dare you. Just try it for one night. You might like it. On Triple Jack. No, I'm not sure I would actually, just to be honest. Come on, what is going on with this? So strange. Can you top this weird sleeping habit? I know you've got some. Call in 1300-055-36. You can message in too, 0439 Can hear Josh Garlop giggling away there in Perth. <laughs> He's laughing. We've also got Miriam Walker-Khan. Hey, Miriam, what did you think of this one? The woman and the and the husband switching sides. Psychotic behaviour, obviously. It's very weird. I don't know why that's happening. <laughs> Are they okay? Is everything all right? <laughs> you got any weird sleeping habits? Uh, I starfish quite a lot. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And also an ex once told me that I <laughs> they were like, Oh, you like did the people's elbow. I don't know if anyone watches WWE like, It's like you did have the people's elbow in the night. I was like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's what was going on there. Who knows? Josh, what do you reckon? Do you have any any strange habits that people have picked up on? Uh yeah. Um <laughs> I like um I don't just speak in my sleep. I, like, scream and have giant conversations. <laughs> right, okay. Um, Interesting. We had a colleague here tell us yeah. today that they sleep with their eyes open. I wouldn't like to see those what? two combined. But, so, um, right, you're having conversations. Yeah, and then I also, like, my partner's away in Bali right now, which is, I guess, like another suburb of Perth, Miriam. But um, <laughs> uh, when she's away, even though I'm six foot seven, I barricade the door because... <laughs> In my head, it's like the most vulnerable position, and I'm like, "Well, if we get if we get robbed, I'm screwed." So, I still I still put up something to. I, I know it's weird, but it helps me sleep. Extraordinary, Sorry. extraordinary. I mean, the comments were pretty uh, pretty confused on this TikTok. People were saying, "This is anarchy. How do you live life so wild?" Apparently, she's lost hundreds of followers. This <laughs> poor woman. I'm not kidding. It's happened. She's she never knew how much her life would change with this admission, and it's happened on the text line someone says i've been fighting for fluid side of bed sleeping arrangements for years to no avail another person says i sleep with a pillow on my head interesting tactic someone else says it all depends on the bedside tables i need to be near my abundance of knickknacks in the drawers while i sleep that one sounds pretty unusual but also kind of comforting and another person this one is so chaotic sorry I have, I have to have my wrists curled under like my fingers nearly touching my wrist and then I lay on my belly with my knees apart and my feet touching in the air. Easiest way for me to fall asleep. I don't know, it sounds like some incredible yoga move that you're practising there. All credit to you for getting it done. Miriam, how have the sleeping arrangements for this World Cup trip been? Like you're probably just hanging out to get back home for a decent night's sleep. I'm excited to not be in a bunk bed, which I've been in for three weeks now. It's chaos. And my friend who's on the bottom bunk, which is, by the way, a double bed, and the top bunk, which I'm on, is a single. But my friend just comes in drunk every few nights and will be really loud. And the other day she ran out to vomit at, like, 2 a.m., which was great. So oh, come on. I'm excited to go home, Come to on. You are. You're ready for this weekend to be over, but not before some big matches. Uh, Josh, you a good sleeper, generally? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, we've actually got my nephews staying with us right now. They're over from Sydney. 
And one of them's like really, really well spoken despite being four. And he walked into my room and we've moved back with our dad because we were kicked out of a rental just because of the housing crisis in Australia. And he just looks at my room and goes, this is terrible. Like, this is a terrible room. So <laughs> I've got a mattress on the floor. Like, we're just making it work. So, right, yeah. Right. I didn't realise this judgment would be heading <laughs> yeah. to me for, from someone so much younger than me. I've got a yeah. lot of messages coming through. Someone says, my side of the bed is always changing. It's not random, though. Just whatever side my partner wants, she gets. That was from Jack in East Perth. Someone else says... We have a holiday side and swap for weekends and holidays. Okay. <laughs> Interesting tactic. Mix it up a bit. Someone else says, I have to do a whole lot of stretching before I get into bed. I've got a routine that I do all of the time. And then someone says, I sleep on my partner's side of the bed when he's away. Am I weird? Oh, cute. Um, okay, cute or weird. Um, <laughs> no, lock her up. Okay, lock her up. there we go, there we go. Are you going to switch it up maybe, Josh, tonight? Just try the other side? Yeah, I just roll around for a bit and then sort of <laughs> have a pit of depression about a four-year-old ripping on my life situation. But, yeah. Hey, you got a lot to think about, Miriam. You might switch it up a bit tonight. Yeah. You're like, it's a bunk bed. I don't really have options. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's single and a bunk bed. So oh, no. I love it. Hey. That is all we've got time for on the Shake Up. It flies by, as always. It's been a huge show. Josh Garlop from the Kick It Forward podcast, thank you so much, as always, for coming on. Thank you very much, guys. Nice to meet you, Miriam. And nice Miriam Walker-Khan from Brown Girls Sport, thank you. Best of luck on the weekend <laughs> and for your trip back to England. And, yeah, oh yeah, that game, how was it? Yeah, it was uh, interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing the awkwardness. Thank you so much, Miriam. Go check out the Brown Girl Sport podcast right now. Massive thanks again for another brilliant shake-up. I'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the World Cup. See ya. Hack on Triple J. Dee Salmon here, sliding into your podcast feed to let you know that the Hookup podcast has all the sex and relationship content you need. Honestly, you need us in your life. Join us each week as we talk all things love and f***ing like this. Foreplay is also there so that you have great sex. Like I don't know about anyone who's given themselves an orgasm in two minutes. Like it's fine. It's the fast food of orgasms. That's the hookup. If you like hack, you'll love us. Get us wherever you get your pods.